0: Savior, and He's in love with me. He is with me from danger.
1: Somebody is Jesus, and I know he's mine. I hope you know he's yours today, Amen. Well, take your Bible, turn over to the book of Mark. Mark chapter 1 today. Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1. A young man hired by a supermarket reported to his first day of work. And the manager greeted him with a warm handshake and a smile, and he gave him a broom, and he said, listen... Your first job will be to sweep out the store. But I'm a college graduate, the young man said somewhat indignantly. Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't know that, said the manager. Here, give me the broom and I'll show you how. (laughs) All right, so anyway. I don't know. Mark chapter 1, beginning in verse 40. Some of you didn't get that, you're too smart. All right. Mark chapter one, verse 40. We're going to read just a couple of verses and uh, then we'll go from there. But the Bible tells us over in the book of Mark, chapter one, in verse 40, it says, and there came a leper to him, beseeching him and kneeling down to him and saying unto him, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. And Jesus moved with compassion, put forth his hand and touched him and saith unto him, I will be thou clean. And as soon as he had spoken, immediately the leprosy departed from him and he was cleansed. Leprosy was an infectious disease that it caused severe disfiguring skin sores. It affected the nervous system. It would damage the arms and the legs through the nervous system. It's a horrible disease. It was a disease that has been around since ancient times and it has constantly and continually terrified and affected people on every continent. Leprosy was an incurable, incurable, mutilating and contagious disease. And here in this passage, we find a man that has leprosy. His situation was helpless. His situation was hopeless. Now, I understand today that many will say that leprosy is... Hansen's disease and it could very well be people are still trying to truly define the bible definition of leprosy but the fact is is that today at least there are means by which to control it and even in some cases they say cure it but in those days there was no cure in those days there was no hope in those days a man or a woman who had leprosy was ostracized and set apart and was unable to incorporate themselves into society or into their families leprosy put you in a very hopeless and helpless place. But we notice some things about this particular leper. First of all, we notice that he came begging. The Bible says, And there came a leper to him beseeching him. I like that the leper came begging. I like that he came humbly to the Lord Jesus Christ. I like that he came and, and, and there he said, Listen, I, 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 I'm a leper. I need you. I beseech you. I beg you. But not only that, he came bowing. The Bible again tells us that he kneeled down to him. What a wonderful thing it is to have the privilege of bowing down before the Lord. Now I know in our culture, in our generation in which we live, we don't want to bow to anybody. We don't want to yield to anyone. We don't want to submit to no one. I mean, no fear, Right? But the fact is today is you better have fear of God. You better have the fear of the Lord in your life. And may I say that this man came to Jesus Christ, a leper without hope and hopeless, and he came to him, and the Bible says he besought him, and then he bowed before him. There was no attitude of entitlement here. He didn't think that Jesus owed him anything. He was humble and he was broken. He didn't come demanding, but he came desperate. Not only did he come begging and bowing, he came believing. The Bible says that he cried out to Jesus, he said, If thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. Thou canst make me clean. You can do it, Lord. I know you can do it. If you just choose to, you can do it. He came believing. So we have this leper that confronts Jesus Christ. And he comes begging the Lord and he comes bowing before him and he comes believing that if Jesus would, he could and would indeed heal him. And we see and recognize how the story ends. He did indeed cleanse him. This morning I want to point out three thoughts, three simple things. And I just want to preach what I would call a message entitled, What can Jesus do for you? What can Jesus do for you? So let's go ahead and pray. Father, we come to you. We want to thank you for this time together. And Lord, I pray you'd bless each and every one that's represented in this room today. God of heaven, we are a needy people. Lord, to somehow act as though we have no needs, that everything is fine, that there's nothing wrong with us both outwardly or inwardly, Lord, would be really not only presumptuous, it would be prideful and arrogant. But Lord, we need you today. And so, Father, we're asking you to meet those needs in our life. Father, we saw and have seen what you can do for others, but, Lord, we want you to do for us. Oh, God, help us today as we consider this simple passage. And, Lord, we'll give you the glory for it in Christ's name. Amen. First of all, in the passage, I want you to note the passion. Verse 41. Notice the Bible simply says, And Jesus moved with compassion, put forth his hand and touched him, and saith unto him, I will be thou clean. Now the word passion has to do with meaning any powerful or compelling emotion or feeling. And there's no doubt that the Lord Jesus Christ felt compassion, or should I say passion, toward mankind. The reality is is that he left the splendor of heaven and literally took his place on earth. Why? Because he had tremendous feeling. He had tremendous passion. Passion for mankind. But I suppose that a more accurate definition or a better way to define what he was feeling would be the word compassion. And the Bible uses the word compassion in the Scriptures. That word compassion is a feeling of deep sympathy and sorrow for another who is stricken by misfortune. It's a feeling or deep sympathy of sorrow for another who is stricken by misfortune. And it goes on to say accompanied by a strong desire to alleviate the suffering. And so we see the passion here of the Lord Jesus Christ, and it's expressed in His compassion, and His compassion moved Him. I mean, when He saw that leper, He saw that hopeless and helpless man, His heart was moved for Him. I don't know about you, but many times in our world today, it seems that we've been desensitized to the needs of others, and we find ourselves rather cold, hard, and insensitive. But Jesus was a passionate man. He was also a man of compassion. And he had deep feeling and great sympathy for the sorrow of others and their misfortune. But we see his compassion moved him, but it also, his compassion motivated him. It wasn't enough just that he was moved, he was motivated. Motivated to do something about it. Jesus wasn't just Learning and understanding the need of a man, he recognized the need, understood the need, and he met the need in his life. Not only that, was he moved and motivated, but may I say his compassion made him. It made him. When you think about Jesus Christ, and you think about his life, and you think about his ministry, I don't know that we can help but think about a man A man who loved others, a man who not only saw the needs of others, not only recognized the hurt and heartache of others, but he was determined to do something about it. A man of compassion. And it defined who he was. Jesus Christ, a man of compassion. You say he was more than a man. Yes, but he was all man too. May I say that he was just like you and I in the sense that he bore the flesh of sinful man in that sense. He himself was innocent of it. He himself was sinless. We understand that. But he had the same temptations that we had. And when he looked upon mortal man, he could have easily said like we say, forget you, you've buried yourself, you've dug your own hole, now dig yourself back out. But he didn't. He had tremendous compassion. And that compassion moved him. It motivated and it made him who he was. We see the passion. But also in the passage, we note the power. In verse 42, we read, And as soon as he had spoken, immediately the leprosy departed from him, and he was cleansed. Immediately. He said, As soon as he had spoken, immediately the leprosy departed from him, and he was cleansed. You know, we're reminded how bleak again this leper's circumstances were. I mean, he was plagued with an incurable disease. He was pestered and pained by the sores and symptoms of that disease. He was powerless to overcome that disease. And there we have the man, hopeless and helpless. But then, he met the Master. He met the Master and he says, If thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. Jesus said to him, I will be thou clean. You know, that power that we're talking about is activated audibly. It's interesting that the Bible tells us right off the bat there in the passage, as soon as he had spoken. I can think about creation. Take your Bible, look over Genesis chapter 1 verse 3 please. And here we see the spoken word of God and we see the result of it. Genesis chapter 1. Notice verse 3. The Bible says, and God said, let there be light, and there was light. Notice, and God said, God said. You know, we've done a lot of work here in the building, and may I say that nothing's ever been done simply because I said so. Let there be a wall dividing the hallway from the auditorium. Never happened. Never happened. Of obviously there's great power right there. You see it, you recognize it. But it's not that powerful and it's certainly not auto audi- it's not activated audibly. And God said, let there be light. Further down the road, in verse 6, he goes on, and God said. And verse 9, and God said. And verse 11, God said. And each time, it was so. It was so. It was so. Verse 14, and God said. And it was so. Verse 20, and it was so. And verse 24, and God said. And it was so. May I say today, when God speaks, that settles it. It's done. It's finished. It's complete. And may I say that the world was created and all the universe, when God Himself simply spoke. God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let him have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. And God said, and guess what? It was done. Each time God said, it happened. God simply spoke the world into existence. And you say, well, that was God. And we're talking about Jesus today. Oh, by the way, I forgot to tell you, Jesus is God. I forgot forgot to mention that. Take your Bible, look over John chapter 10 verse 30, would you please? John chapter 10 verse 30. We can never forget who He is. We can never forget what He did. Notice the Bible says in John chapter 10 verse 30, the Lord Jesus Christ speaking Himself. Notice what He did. And may I say this was an unhealthy practice on His part. To say the kind of things that He said in the environment and the culture in which he lived it meant certain death to him and yet he spoke up and he simply said I and my father are one if you'd continue to read you'd recognize that he said that they believed that that when he spoke it made him equal with God may I say he is equal with God because he is God John chapter 14 verse 9 just a few chapters to your right if you would please In John chapter 14, notice Jesus again is speaking. And Jesus saith unto him, chapter 14, verse 9, Have I been so long time with you, and yet hast thou not known me, Philip? He that hath seen me hath seen the Father. And how sayest thou then, show us the Father? Hey, if you've seen me, you've seen him. Why? Because I'm not just a creation. I am God. Look if you would in First John chapter 5, verse 7. First John chapter 5, verse 7. In first John chapter five, verse seven we read For there are three that bear record in heaven. First John five seven. For there are three that bear record in heaven the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. By the way, the Word is defined for us in John chapter 1 when we see ultimately in, the Word became, uh, the, in, in John chapter 1 verse 1 and John chapter 1 verse 14 and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld His glory as the only begotten of the Father. May I say that none other than Jesus is the Word as well. And so notice what He says here about these three. For there are three that bear record in heaven. The Father, you could say, you might want to say the Son, but He says no, the Word. You want to know why I believe He says that? He doesn't want to leave anything to your imagination. He wants you to understand by definition, biblical definition, he is none other than God. It is God the Father, God God the Word. He is God and the Holy Ghost. All three are God, and all three are, according to the Word of God, one. These three are one. You say, I don't understand it. Well, guess what? Join the craft. I don't understand the Trinity. I can't wrap my mind around it. I know what the Bible says and I believe the Bible is the Word of God and I believe that Jesus is as much God as the Father and I believe the Holy Ghost is as much God as the Father and the Son. I'm telling you today that Jesus Christ is God and may I say today, when He spoke, it happened. Look if you would in Colossians chapter 1 then. You say, I know, but in the, in the beginning, the Bible says God created the heaven and the earth. Why wouldn't it say The Word created. Why wouldn't it? Hold on. Let's get to it. Colossians chapter 1, verse 13. Again, it is important that we don't just take one verse out of context. That we don't just take one verse or two verses and say, let's build a doctrine on those verses. We have to look at the entire Word of God. Why? Because the Bible is its own best commentary. Notice what it says in Colossians chapter 1, verse 13, as we're still defining who Christ is. It goes on to say, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness, and hath translated us into his kingdom, the kingdom of his dear Son, in whom, the Son, we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. Hold on, we're still talking about Jesus now. For by Him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by Him and for Him. And He is before all things, and by Him all things consist, and He is the head of the body. Guess what? The church, He says. That's Jesus Christ. He's the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things He might have the preeminence. May I say that Jesus Christ is Creator God today. And when he spoke, it happened. And may I say, there was nobody happier about that reality and that truth than a leper that day on that dusty trail. May I say, when he came to Jesus Christ, hopeless and helpless, and he cried out that Jesus and said, Listen, if you'll heal me, you can do it. I believe you can. I know you can. And there before his feet, kneeling before him, there in a humble human uh, humility place or position, the Lord Jesus Christ spoke. And when he spoke, immediately the Bible says, he was cleansed. I mean to tell you that that power was activated audibly. Activated audibly. Not only that, but we see the power is available. It's available. Again, he goes on to say, immediately. Immediately. Hey, there's no probationary period needed like the workplace. I mean, you get a new job, and you go into a new job, and many times they'll say, well, you've got a 90-day trial period. You've got a 90-day probation. You won't really get the full benefit of being an employee here until after you have proven yourself on the job for 90 days. And if we choose to keep you here, then we will extend to you the full benefit of this workplace. Well, I'm going to tell you what, God, God doesn't work like that in, in His power. His power doesn't have a, a probationary period. There's no trial period. He speaks, and the Bible says immediately you're enjoying the benefit of His mighty power. Immediately. May I say His power is available today? even as it was available in creation, even as it was available on that, that, uh, that Sea of Galilee when He said, peace be still, even when it was a, as it was available to that leper there in that situation, may I say His power is available to you and to me today. Not only that, but the power is awesome. Man, it is. It's, it's activated audibly. It is available, but it is also awesome. The Bible says he was cleansed. Now let me tell you, there was no doctor in that day. There was no prescription that could be taken. There was no means by which he could be healed. May I say he was destined for a job of mangled and molten flesh. But I want you to know the power of our Lord Jesus Christ is awesome. In the Old Testament, we're introduced to leprosy. Look, if you will, Leviticus chapter 13. Leviticus chapter 13, verse 8. It's the greatest chapter in the Bible concerning this issue. The the issue of leprosy. But chapter 13, verse 8. Leviticus. Speaking of this. Leprosy, and if the priest see that, behold, the scab spreadeth in the skin, then the priest shall pronounce him unclean. You see that? A leper was pronounced unclean. And he goes on to say, it is a leprosy. I want you to look in chapter 13, I'll go all the way to verse 45 of the same chapter. Leviticus 13, verse 45. And the leper in whom the plague is, his clothes shall be rent, and his head bare, and he shall put a covering upon his upper lip, and shall cry, Unclean! Unclean! Do you see that? What a miserable existence! Plagued with leprosy and powerless to do anything about it. But after he meets the Master, the Bible says he is cleansed. He was unclean, but now he is clean. All by the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. What great power. It is unfathomable what the Lord Jesus Christ can do. I mean, His power is infinite and it is indescribable this side of heaven. We can do our best to try to label it and we can somehow try to put it in a box. But may I say, His power is infinite and it is beyond our comprehension. May I say, just think what He can do for you. Just think what He can do for you. That leads us to our last point. Not only do we see the passion and note the power, but I want you to Recognize and understand the potential. The potential. This same Jesus who created the universe. The same Jesus who calmed the raging storm. The same Jesus who cleansed a hopeless and helpless leper. Is able to do the impossible in your life as well today. Turn if you would to Ephesians chapter 3 verse 20. We live in a hopeless generation, do we not? I mean, honestly, all you have to do is flip on the the news, look at any news feed, and man, I mean, to tell you, it is just so bleak, and there's nothing good, and everything's bad, and nobody's doing the right job. And man, I just say, I get about sick and tired of every single news outlet telling me how horrible our president is. I'm about fed up with it. My goodness. He's still our president. Can somebody get behind him and say, "Let's at least make the best of what we can, even if you hate his guts. At least try to do something to help our country." I get sick and tired of it. I can't even look at my phone without flipping over and every single article has something to do with Trump, 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 Trump. There's nothing good either from their standpoint or perspective. You get a little fed up with that stuff, man. I mean to tell you, look at the weather, even. It seems like right now, at least in Akron, Ohio, every time I turn around, rain, cold, rain, cold, rain, cold. I'm like, forget it, man. Get rid of that phone. I don't want to even look at it. I mean clouds and clouds and more clouds. And you read the newspaper or, again, you see some other services and you find how horrible and how bleak our culture is and how wicked and sinful our world is and nothing good, nothing positive, everything negative and critical and cynical. I hate it. I'm like, oh, man, I don't want to read the newspaper. I don't want to watch the news. I don't even want to understand what's going on. Please let me just stay in the Bible. Oh, man, it drives you. Now, you've got to be informed. I understand, but wow. Negative and critical and cynical and so just bleak and dark and clouds. Oh my. Gloom and doom. That's our world. That's how everything is today. I mean, do you realize we have, we have people that just go around trying to make everything horrible so that you keep watching it? And I thought we were in World War III. The other day, watching the news, for five minutes, we haven't—we're not in a war yet, at least not sending troops to fight battles and our boys dying on the front. But let me tell you something: to watch the news, you'd thought that's what just happened. And I couldn't get away from it. I don't want to hear that junk, and I wanna—I wanna be positive. I wanna be happy about some things. Man, guard me from some of that mess, because most of it is just simply sensationalized. And unfortunately, all you have to do is look at your Facebook and watch what people are saying. Man, I mean, to tell you, positive? Are you kidding me? Most of it's negative. Well, so-and-so has cancer, and -and so-and-so has this, and this is what's happening, and my husband left me, and this is happening, and that's happening, and this is a problem, and that's a problem, and this is wrong. Man, I'm going to tell you, as believers, you shouldn't say negative things all the time. You ought to be saying the positive things. Man, why would we let the world in on our hurts and our heartaches? Why would we let them in on all that mess? we have a responsibility and an obligation to be a testimony and to be unique and different in the world in which we live. May I say, if your life is that utterly messed up, I want you to know He's got the power to change it. we got some potential here. Look at Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20 through 21. Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly of all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us, Unto Him be glory in the church by, Jesus, by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. Notice, now unto Him that is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think. I mean, this, this Jesus that we preach, this Jesus that we share, this Jesus that we say we believe in, His power is unlimited, and may I say, He says here simply in the passage, He's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, even above what we can imagine and even think. He's able to do it. What can Jesus do for you? What can He do for you today? I mean, maybe it's your situation. Maybe it's your situation. Maybe it's your health today. I just want you to know He could heal you if He chose to, He's quite capable. He's quite able. But may I say this for sure, a new body awaits you. I'm going to tell you that much. I know that much. In the book of Philippians, chapter 3, verse 20 through 21, the Bible says For our conversation is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile body, that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, according to the working whereby he is able, even to subdue all things unto himself. I say He's going to change this vile body. You know this body that can't hear and this body that can't see and this body who gets aches and pains in it continually. That body who has to sit in a wheelchair now and can't get up on its feet anymore or use a cane just to get around. May I say that day coming. A day is coming because of the power of the Lord Jesus Christ that you'll be able to walk again and talk again and hear again and see again. You have a body like Jesus is. His glorified body. He rose and He awoke from the grave. And may I say, He went and He ate with His disciples and He fellowship with His disciples and He could go at the, over the speed of light back and forth from one place to another. Heaven that is a real place, a literal place. And then still be back on earth. May I say, He was not limited by walls and barriers and physical limitations. He had a body that was suited for both the physical and the eternal and spiritual. And may I say, that's the exact body I'll have too. And so will you. His power is unlimited. Maybe it's your home. You need that power, the power of the Lord Jesus Christ in your home today. I mean, maybe it's your marriage that's falling apart. Possibly it's a relationship with a child or maybe a relationship with a family member or friend. I don't know. Maybe it's your finances today that are hurting and you're in dire need of God stepping in and supernaturally intervening on your behalf. May I say that His power is unlimited. May I say that you have to come to Him just like that leper did. And I mean to tell you, when He came to Him, He came begging God. When He came to him, he came bowing before him. When he came to him, he came believing. And may I say, if you will come begging, and you will come bowing, and you will come believing, God will do a mighty work in your life. Amen. Well, I tried that. It didn't work, preacher. Okay. His power's limited in your case then. You're the only one on earth that he doesn't love, doesn't care about. But he didn't do what I told him. Hey, wait a second. I thought we were supposed to come to him bowing. Not demanding, but come desperate. I'm mad at God. Why are you mad at God?
0: Because he didn't do what I told him
1: to do. That's why people are mad at God, by the way. Because he didn't do what they told him to do. You're not mad at God because he did what you said. If you're mad at God today, it's because he did something you didn't agree with. And what you're basically saying is I didn't give him permission. Let me tell you something. We better be real careful because it's not us that's God. Oh, that's what the devil tried to tell Eve and Adam in the garden. He told Eve, listen, you can be like gods. What he was saying is you can be like the very one that created you. You can have that kind of authority. You can have that kind of power in your life. May I say today, there's not one of us in this room that was created by a holy, righteous, all-powerful God that is God. He is God, and He is God alone. And He has a right to do with us as He pleases. And yet, He is so gracious to hear our prayers and answer us. His power is available to you today. His power is available. We have to beg Him. We've got to plead with Him. We have to go to Him and humbly bow before Him. What is your need today? I mean, is the world meeting that need? Is your present course taking you to the destination that you dreamed of and couldn't wait to arrive at? Of course not. And sin is, there's pleasure in sin for a season and it may suffice for a period of time, but it will not satisfy. Maybe it's just simply your heart today. You're disappointed. I mean, disappointment just consumes you. I mean, discouragement just overwhelms you. Maybe depression seems to just rule your life today. May I just say in all grace that there are times that You might need medication. There might be times that there's a need for help in that area. But may I say, so much I believe of what we call depression is a direct result of our rebellion and disobedience against God. You can't not be happy in rebellion against God. You cannot be fulfilled and satisfied if you're not obedient to God. That is the way God created us. There is a vacuum that exists within the heart of man mankind, and that vacuum can only be filled by Jesus Christ. Go ahead and search the world over to have that need met in your life. Seek out pleasure and seek out profit and seek out gain and seek out pre- prestige and seek out preeminence. But may I say today there's no one and nothing that can fill that void but Jesus Christ. He has the power to do it. today. Maybe it's your sin. We touched on it just a moment ago, but in Mark chapter 2, the Bible says, When Jesus heard it, he saith unto them, That they are whole, they that are whole have no need of a physician, but they that are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance, he says. Again, they that are whole have no need of a physician, but they that are sick. And ultimately, he says, I, I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. What's he saying? He's saying, again, there's no, I, I mean, if we could say it again one more time, there is no real lasting joy in our life without Jesus. Jesus here pictures the sinner as being sick. And I'm talking about someone who has never put their faith and trust in Christ or somebody that's, a, that's been born again by the blood of Jesus but has chosen to travel a road of sin in their life. May I say today, according to the passage, God says, listen, you are sin sick. And I say, the last time I was sick, I was so sick, I mean to tell you, I felt horrible. I didn't feel good. I didn't want to do anything. I felt nasty. I'm going to tell you something. Sickness is not a good thing. And many of you know what sickness is like. You've been there before. You're human. You understand. And God wants you to understand it. Why? Because He wants you to know how horrible sin is. It'll steal your joy. It'll steal your happiness. It'll steal your ability to fellowship and to function in the world in which we live. He pictures the sinner as being sick here, but he also identifies them as not being whole. Notice they that are whole have no need of a physician. So who needs the physician? Somebody that's not whole. Not whole. So according to Jesus, the sinner that is without Christ is incomplete and he is or she is wanting. There, as we said, a vacuum within the heart of all mankind. And only Jesus can fill that vacuum. Sin brings constant consequences. Consequences that inhibit our lives. Consequences that promote struggle and ultimately produce sorrow in our life. See, some of you are young enough that you haven't begun to really experience the true consequences of sin. You're still drinking and partying and you can still enjoy things that ultimately will ruin your life and wreck your body. But see, that's not how the devil works. The devil always gives you his best up front. He says, okay, I'll tell you what, I'll make you a deal. If you'll just worship me, so to speak, if you'll just bow to me, if you'll just give your life to me, Here it is. Look how lovely it looks. Look how wonderful it seems. Look how pleasurable it is. And now I say, he will lie to you and sell you his very best up front. But I'm going to tell you what, his payment plan, it is, it's horrible. You've never been in debt like you'll be in debt to him. And I'm going to tell you something, he'll start making you pay. Much earlier than you can imagine too, by the way. You feel like you've got your whole life ahead of you? You don't even know what life is yet. You've already sold yourself down the river. Sin brings constant consequences. Look at Proverbs thirteen, fifteen. If you believe the Bible is true, even in the least, this verse ought to hit you between the eyes. Whether you know Christ as your Savior or whether you know Him already, or whether you don't know Him. Either way, whether you do or don't know Him, this ought to hit us like a ton of bricks. Notice what the Bible says in Proverbs thirteen fifteen: Good understanding giveth favor, but the way of transgressors is hard. I mean, there is a road that we're traveling today. And you have to choose the road that you travel. Now we know biblically and scripturally, according to Matthew, that there are two roads that we travel. One is a narrow road and the other one is a broad road. That broad road the Bible tells us leads to destruction. That narrow road leads to life. May I say today that the road of the, 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 the way of the transgressor, the Bible says is hard. Even along that broad and narrow, that broad road leading to death and leading to hell, it's still filled with consequences and hurt and heartaches along the way. Oh, I know that whether you're good or whether you're bad, you're going to have heartache. I know there's going to be, con- there's going to be situations in our life whether we're saved and good people or whether we're lost and then we're in our sin. Either way, things happen because as the sparks fly upward, troubles come to mankind and humanity. But I'm going to tell you something. That broad... God wrote, you may be shoulder to shoulder with people you love and you care about. And you may think you're all heading in the right direction, going the right way, heading in the, the right destination, but sooner or later there is a drop off and it is called hell at the other end. And may I say the way of the transgressor is hard, not only through the lifetime of you, your lifetime, but you're going to die and you're going to spend an eternity in a place called hell without Jesus Christ. The way of the transgressor is hard. You say, but I know Christians, and I've watched their lives, and they have heard, and they have enjoyed, have experienced heartache and hurt, just like everybody else. I know, but here's the difference: they've got someone to go through it with. Some of you young people aren't old enough to understand this, but there'll be a day in your life, I promise. Well, you'll lay in your bed at night, and it don't matter how beautiful that woman is beside you, it doesn't matter how much she loves you and cares for you, you will feel you are all alone in that bed and there is nobody but you. And if you don't have him, you got nothing. As important as finances, as important as families, as important as our present health may be, there is nothing more important or more pressing in our lives than our soul and our eternity. You know that biblical leprosy is a powerful symbol. It is a symbol that reminds us of sin's spread and its horrible consequences. That's why God spends so much time on leprosy in the Old Testament. He wants to see a picture of something that ultimately eats away at us a lifetime that ultimately changes our body. I mean, it literally deforms us until ultimately it takes us and consumes us. And that's what leprosy pictures in the Bible. May I say today, if you have never trusted and put your faith in Jesus Christ, you need Him today. I mean, there is such great potential with his great power in your life. You can the sky is the limit, and God can deliver you from your sin, and God can deliver you from yourself, and God can give you a new lease on life. But wait a second. Like this leper, we have to come begging. Like this leper, we have to come bowing. We have to be humble and we have to surrender our life. We have to give ourselves to Him and we have to recognize that we are nothing without Him and we have no hope without Him. As long as you think there's hope without Jesus, you'll continue to live your life without Him. But see, a leper understood his situation was hopeless, helpless. No doctor, no lawyer. No wife or husband, no child, no family, no job, no future could heal him of his disease. He understood he had only one hope, and that hope was Jesus. And may I say today, you may think you have the world by the horns, but you are on a one-way ticket to hell without Jesus Christ. But in His great power, He can forgive your sin, He can save your soul, and He can give you eternal life and a reservation in heaven. Only He can do that for you. And just like this helpless, hopeless leper, you too can be cleansed and changed forever. Maybe today you already know Christ is your Savior, but the road you're traveling isn't one of surrender. It's not one of obedience. And unfortunately, you understand a little bit about the way of the transgressor being hard. I'm not saying that Jesus removes all your problems, but once again, what I will say is that Jesus will go through them with you. You'll never be facing them alone. May God help us to recognize the potential that we have in Christ. To not only be saved, but to be able to serve effectively. And to be able to enjoy the blessing of God in both this life and eternity. Father, we come to You. We thank You.